0: Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life, share your prayer requests, or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Um, Today, um, I'm just going to be bringing a message called Because We Can. Because We Can. And I'll I'll start by saying that's a really dangerous statement for a church to make. Because we can. And I want to bring a lesson to help us understand there is a real danger in because we can. And the danger is this, that we do what we do because we can, not because there's a revelation from God. Ooh. And this is, this is something the church must ask itself. In fact, we have to ask ourselves individually. Do I do what I do because of the ample resources that are available to me? And it seemed like a good idea at the time. Or do I do what I do because I'm still enough to sit and to listen and say, God, you speak, I need your revelation. And we're gonna be able to answer that question. And it's a big question because there is a danger, a huge danger in because you can. We're got to be saying, Father, What do you want us to do, Father? Where do you want us to go? Now, personally, I am really, really grateful that I live in a country where the resources of the church are vast. We are blessed. If you don't know it, we are the most blessed nation in the face of the earth. The resources that we have available to us are immense. And I praise God for those resources because when you are well resourced, you can make a greater difference, a greater impact. You have a bigger footprint. No question. But the huge danger of a well-resourced church, speaking particularly to the church in the West, it's a very dangerous thing and it is a thing called self-reliance. Self-reliance. And I think the greatest strength of a church in our resources can also become our greatest weakness. Our self-reliance can actually become a huge area of vulnerability that the devil gets a foothold in because he doesn't care really what we do that's good and we can feel good about ourselves for doing it. He doesn't care what we do as long as it doesn't have the breath of God on it. He doesn't want us to be people waiting upon God and saying, God, what we do has got to be motivated by Your Spirit. Spirit breathed, Spirit birthed. And we can easily end up doing what we do because we can, not because it's God-breathed. And I want to bring to us a lesson from Israel's history. And it comes in the form of a prophetic judgment against Israel from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah 31, he says, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, Forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame, Egypt's shade will be your disgrace. Down to verse 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore your pursuers will be swift. Swift. A bit of context for this prophetic judgment against Israel. One of the great superpowers in the day was Assyria. And Assyria under the reign of a king called tiglath Pileser, They were on the move. They were heading southward toward Israel. They were occupying surrounding nations. And Judah at this point in their history find themselves the, the meat in a very messy sandwich because Assyria had come as far as the border of Judah and stopped. The reason they stopped is the other big superpower in the day in the southwest was Egypt. And so here they are sandwiched between these two great superpowers thinking this has the potential of not really ending that well. And so in the uncertainty of the situation, In the natural, this appeared to be a great threat against them. And in their panic, they made some really, really unwise decisions. And in their panic, they took matters into their own hands and they made three critical mistakes. The first mistake they made was this. They stopped looking to God. Isaiah uh, 30 and 1. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. Again, to carry out those who carry out plans that are not mine. Forming an alliance, but not by my spirit. Heaping sin upon sin. Who go down to Egypt without consulting me. Who look for help to Pharaoh's protection. To Egypt's shade for refuge. So God has said, guys, what you have done with the threat of Assyria in the north, what you have done is that instead of turning to me, instead of looking to me, instead of seeking out my plans, instead you flee down to Egypt and you look to Egypt for help. Again, you carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. Go down to Egypt without consulting me. Look to help for Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt shade Egypt shade for refuge. So Judah, instead of turning to God and saying, God, you are our Lord. You've always been faithful in our past. You're our deliverer. You're our provider. You're our stronghold. You're our refuge. You're our king. You're our master. We belong to you. You put us here. What do you want us to do in this situation? Instead of doing that, they looked to their resources. They looked to form an alliance for protection. And they turned to Egypt for help. When the pressure was on, they stopped looking to God and they formed an alliance with Egypt. So the first mistake that Judah made was... In the face of pressure, they stopped relying upon God and started relying upon their own resources. They made their plans. The second mistake they made was that they stopped leaning on God. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. And Judah, in the face of God, is saying, God, we don't need the quietness and rest. We've got our resources. We've got our horses. We're going to depend upon them. And friends, when you stop depending upon God, you no longer have his strength to rely upon. Scary place to be. You only have your strength. You only have your resources. And if the devil can get us leaning only on our own resources, if the devil can get us leaning only on our own understanding, then he knows that our position is vastly weakened. Because if we stop looking to God, then we're going to stop leaning upon God. In verse 15, he says, In repentance... And rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Can I say this notion is totally countercultural for us today? I think a world would laugh at, you know, productivity being found in rest and reflection. That strength is found in a place of quietness. Totally countercultural. Our world would champion multitasking as a sign of strength, hyperproductivity as a sign of strength. That strength is found in activity, not in quietness. And I bang on about this often, but. Uh, who knows, we were lied to when they told us 30 or 40 years ago that computers were going to make our lives easier. No, dead set. They actually said that, I can't believe I just said dead set. But anyway, um, wow. <laughs> because I was going back 30 or 40 years. Um, but they, they, said, they said computers are going to, they, they were actually telling us that fast forward 10, 20 years, we're all going to be working three or four days a week and computers were going to do the rest. Who knows, they've just made our lives more complicated. Yeah. And now we talk about the tyranny of the urgent. We overlook what is actually most important because we're bound to the tyranny of the urgent. And all we've done with devices and all we've done with the technology that's available to us is we've made ourselves slaves to accessibility and instant communication. I had somebody abuse me a few months ago because I didn't respond to a text in about half an hour. Uh, I've defriended them, but anyway. It's like, really? And, and, and now I am, I am absolutely fighting this constant frustration of, oh, I've got to get back to that person, but I can't remember if it was an email or if it was a PM or a DM or, an, or, a, uh, or a WhatsApp or a text. I just can't remember when they contacted me, but I know they contacted me. So I've got to go through all of these streams to find out, actually, how did they communicate with me? And it just drives me insane. And so we feel guilty when we don't get back to somebody in 30 seconds. And, 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 and we've got all of these streams of information competing for our attention and all of this stuff that we've got to process and all of these wars against what should be our priority, which is quietness in the presence of the Lord, not constant busyness. Now, and I've said this before, but you know, again, go back 30, or 40 years, you'd, you'd bump into somebody in the street And you'd say, how are you going? And they'd say, yeah, good, thanks. How are you? And you'd say, good, thanks. The number one response to that question, how are you going today, is, yeah, busy. And it's true. How are you going? Yeah, busy. As if being busy somehow validates us. Well, if I say I'm busy, then obviously I'm a valuable contributing member of society. I'm busy. Thank you. How are you? I'm really busy too. What we should say, if we're totally honest... How are you going? Yeah, I'm poorly, poorly committed and over, over committed and a poor manager of my time. How are you going? And it's true because we've got, to, we've got to find that place where we don't feel the tyranny of the urgent. But we say the thing that's most important right now is that I stop in the presence of God and just say, God, fill me. God, grant me your wisdom. And can I say for me as a pastor and as a leader, when the pressure is on, I've got to spend more time just stilling myself in the presence of God because that's the place that I find balance. That's the place where everything makes sense. That's the place where I I get the fuel to go on. That's the place where God pours wisdom into me and in stillness. And that's that's what Isaiah says, in stillness and rest. That's where your strength is. And we've got to develop our capacity to wait upon the Lord. Discipline ourselves just to hear from the Lord. Make a priority of the things that are positioning us to hear from the Lord. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Now, quietness and trust doesn't mean we sit around doing nothing. Well, I'm just going to sit back because God's told me just to sit there and do nothing. No, it's in that place of quietness and trust that we hear the voice of God say go. And in that place of quietness and trust as God speaks into our spirit that we have that opportunity to be obedient. And our activity for God is actually motivated by our obedience to what God has revealed to us. And, and our activity is not us running around frantically trying to implement our good ideas. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll just share this testimony for the sake of the IC guys that are here this morning, because this is for you guys. You're at a place that I was 30 odd years ago when God called us to ministry. And when I first made a serious decision to say, Jesus, you be the Lord of my life, because I've tried to be the Lord of my life and it sucks. And I started praying saying God, uh, as a professional musician as I was at that point, God I want to play music for you. 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 I prayed that prayer for three years. God I want to play music for you. God I want to play music for you. Let me say God is not obliged to bless our good ideas. And I can remember exactly the moment, exactly where and when it was, that that prayer changed probably out of personal frustration because I didn't seem to be getting an answer. But I think God was doing a change in here. And I prayed a prayer one morning that said, God, I want to serve you even if it means never playing music again. And God said, now you're ready. And God's not obliged to bless our good ideas. And instead of saying, God, this is what I want to do for you. Now bless it. We say, God, what are you blessing that I can be a part of that? That you would draw me into your great commission. That you would draw me into what it is you're doing, God. Because what you're doing, that's what I want to be a part of. And we step out in obedience. And we trust God to enable us to do what he has called us to do. Amen. God has a plan and He desires us to be obedient so that His plans can be fulfilled. Because almost any time that God does something really remarkable, it actually requires an act of obedience on our behalf. And it's our obedience that is the key to God breaking through. Again, we don't sit back passively and you've said, well, you know, just quietness and rest, that's where I'm going to be. I like that position. God says no I'm calling you and we are co-workers together with God and I often say this obedience to God and dependence upon God are like two wings on an aeroplane which wing on an aeroplane is more important it's a silly question they're equally important and obedience to God and reliance upon God, again, are equally important. You can't separate the two. And if we cannot trust God enough to be obedient to what He's called us to do, we will never see God move. Who wants to see God move? Well, we've got to be obedient to what He's calling us to do. And this is Judah's problem here in Isaiah 30. Because they didn't depend on God, they couldn't actually then obey God. They weren't in a position to obey God because they weren't depending upon Him. And because they stopped looking to God... They stopped leaning on God. They started leaning on their own resources. And then the third problem for Judah is they stopped listening to God. Because if we don't look to God, we won't rely upon God. We won't lean into Him. And then we'll stop listening to Him. And if we're not listening to God, honestly, we're never going to hear from Him. And I don't want our young people to grow up in a church that's not listening to God. A church that has become self-sufficient. I'm talking about the church in the West. Not, I'm not having a dig at our church. But we're a part of the church in the West. A well-resourced church that has the vulnerability of being able to function in our own resources. Enabling our good ideas. I don't want our our young people to be growing up in a church that is so self-sufficient and self-reliant. Comfortable in our own resources that we're no longer hearing from God. So, back to Judah Judah had stopped, had stopped seeking God. They'd begun relying on their own resources, stopped leaning on God. When they'd stopped leaning on God, they'd become self sufficient. They'd stop listening to God. And when we stop listening to God, we're not going to have the ability to discern God's voice when He does speak. The truth is, as a leader, I can't speak for God if I'm not hearing from God. And and I ask for you, my congregation, to pray with me in that regard. That I would be hearing from God, finding the space. And the more demands there are upon my time, the more I realise I've got to spend that time with God. Not succumbing to the tyranny of the urgent, but saying the most important thing that I can do right now for the people that I lead is taking that time to hear from God. Jeremiah 33 and 2, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name, call to me and listen to this. I love this. I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God says, I want to tell you unsearchable things that you do not know. This is prophetic revelation. I want to give you prophetic revelation to speak for God. That about you, I want to hear from God in that way. I want to receive from God great and unsearchable things that I'm just dumb enough not to know. And God evidences himself in that prophetic revelation. My daily prayer is, God, grant me wisdom. Grant me your understanding, because there are times where I go, I haven't got a clue, but I need your understanding. I need your insight, because the greatest gift that I can give to the people that I lead Is not just sharing knowledge or resources. It's not great programs, great worship, great meetings. The greatest gift that I can give as a Christian leader is the revelation that I receive when I sit daily at the feet of Jesus. And the devil wants to fight that as hard as he can. And I've got to get better at it because those who work with me know that I'm very task-oriented. But then God finally, in his love and mercy, beautifully reaches out to Judah as he does to us. Verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help as soon as he hears he will answer you. And then, verse 21 whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Let me take a quick detour, and it's not in my notes. Whether you hear a voice, so whether you turn to the left or the right, you will hear a voice from behind. Saying this is the way. What why is the voice behind? Because so often we want God to be ahead of us saying, Come on now. Now put put that, see that foot there, put that one step forward, and, and that now put that other step there. Come on, you're doing you're doing really good. Come on, come on. That's not how God works. That's not how faith works. God, in obedience, I've heard your voice, and I gotta take a step of boldness. And sometimes the only time God directs us is when we're going wrong, and He says, Ah. No, this is the way, walk in it. You're going to hear a voice from behind. And you actually see this reflected in the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys. And I love this. Acts 16 and 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love this. They're off on their journey and Paul says, let's go to Asia voice from behind says nope well let's go to Bithynia Holy Spirit says nope then he has a vision of a man from Macedonia and they concluded that's where the Spirit was telling them to go and friends that is revelation the only time it seems that God gave specific instruction to Paul was when he was about to go wrong and he intervenes and says no Asia? Nope. Bithynia? Nope. Paul, you're all confused. Go to sleep. Here's a vision. Come to Macedonia. Now, let me say, there is absolutely nothing wrong with Paul wanting to go to Asia. They needed the gospel. Absolutely nothing wrong with Paul wanting to go to Bithynia. They needed to hear the good news. But the Holy Spirit said, no, that's not where I want you to be right now. And in the same way, Judah wanting to make an alliance with Egypt was not a bad idea. It made sense strategically, politically, militarily. But it wasn't what God wanted them to do. And Isaiah brings that judgment. Woe, woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. You're carrying out plans, they're not my plans. You're forming an alliance, that's not my plan. You're going down to Egypt, but you're not consulting me. You're looking for help to Pharaoh's protection. You're looking for Egypt's refuge. But God says, hey, that's not my plan. Don't do what you do because you can and because you think it's a good idea. Just look to me. Trust me. I won't let you down. I won't let you go. I'm going to ask the team to come back. If you look beyond your own natural abilities, your own natural strengths and resources, If you come back to me and instead of all of this frantic activity of trying to get Egypt on your side and trying to align yourselves with them for your defense, instead of that, just get back to that place of quietness and trust. And in that place, you will find your strength. And out of that quietness and trust, you will cry out to him and he will answer. And if you go to the left, if you go to the right, you're going to hear that beautiful voice from behind saying, hey guys, you're off track, come back on track. And it is God's job to put you on track. It's the Holy Spirit's job to guide you in His truth. And He will do it if we're looking to Him and trusting in Him. But the problem with them, and sometimes I think the danger for us, is they stop looking to God, stop leaning on God, and stop listening to God. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be in that place of revelation. I want to be in that place where I hear that voice from behind saying, this is the way we walk in it. I want to hear God say, listen, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. I do not want to function solely on the basis of the security of my resources, my ability. But in that place of quietness and trust where daily I hear that voice saying, this is the way. Because I think when we stand before God one day, I don't think God's gonna say, hey, did you achieve all of your goals and all of your dreams? I don't think it's gonna be high on the agenda. But the question that He asks us then will be the same question that He's probably asking us right now, is did you fulfill my purpose for your life? That good, pleasing and perfect will the Bible talks about. And and friends, that's the greatest adventure, place of greatest fulfilment and purpose and meaning. And again, without sounding like a broken record, I'm so glad that we've got these young guys with us this morning. We celebrate with them as they embark upon that journey. You guys are a blessing. You are an inspiration and uh, we are full of hope. Uh, because you're here with us this morning. And, uh, And I pray that there's young people watching on this morning. They're going, that's what God has for me. So bless you for your obedience. And I pray that your obedience and your dependence upon God go hand in hand to see God do amazing things for you and for all of us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning.